Hello, wild one. Welcome to the Shamanic Tantra Podcast. I'm your host, Holly Taraya, and I'm honored to have you on this journey with me. My intention with this show is to create a sacred space for conversations around all the things I wish I were taught growing up. I'm here to remind you that all of you is sacred. Every emotion, every experience, and every energy that runs through your body and heart is holy. Shamanic Tantra is a path I walk and it's a path of liberation. Freedom that's found deep within the body and deep inside the breath. It's a path of reclamation, of integrating every shade of who you are. The wild, the wonderful, the primal, and the pure. All is welcome here. It's a path of truth, of devotion to the pulsing, quivering truth of this very moment. As that's all there ever is. May we love each other, may we honor each other, and may we celebrate each other as we walk each other home. Aho, and on we go. Hello, everybody. This is Holly Taraya coming at you live with the Shamanic Tantra podcast right from the wild jungles of Costa Rica. And I am so excited to drop in with you today and do a little storytelling to share a little more of myself to you so that you can have a deeper connection and understanding of who I am and why I'm doing this whole thing, why I'm teaching Tantra working in sexuality and making this my life's mission. How the fuck did I get here? (laughs) Funny you should ask because this is the story I'm going to share today. And the reason I'm sharing this story is because I'm not on social media. And so there's no way to like scroll back a decade, a couple of years and and get a, a taste of like who I used to be and where I've come from. And so it's really reliant upon my storytelling, those stories around the fire at the restaurant on this podcast. These are the ways that I take the time to express myself and share my truth and purpose. And so today, today's episode is called How to Go from Drug-Fueled Sex to God-Fueled Sex. And this will be sharing my story of my roaring 20s of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I spent all of my 20s as a DJ internationally, traveling all over the world, fueled by sex, fueled by ecstasy, fueled by cocaine, and and my journey that landed me from that to sobriety to tantra to where I am today. So I'm going to dive into that. And just share with you the pains and pleasures that I've felt along the path, that I've felt along this way of the journey of awakening, of falling falling into deep darkness and depression and addiction, and how I've arrived where I am today of radiant aliveness, vulnerability, deep intimacy, and truth. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I want to start this storytelling off with sharing you my first experience with ecstasy. I was 19 years old, and this was the moment that changed my life. I'll never forget it. It is imprinted so deeply into my brain, into my nervous system, into my body. I can, When I think of it, I have chills in this moment. So 19 years old, I'm at a house party, three Miano Drive in Hartford, Connecticut, house parties here every weekend. And I was with my boyfriend at the time. He handed me a little red pill 
<laughs> and it had a little sticker on it. It had like a little Playboy stamp on it. And he gave this to me. He goes, take this and watch what happens. And I asked him what it was. And he said it was ecstasy. And I asked, okay, I'm going to take it. But how will I know once it's kicked in? And he looked at me and he said, oh, you'll know. <laughs> and that's all he said. So I took the Playboy little double stacked ecstasy pill and waited and waited and waited. And I went into the bathroom and this was the moment that changed my life. I was in the bathroom, could hear the music of the DJ pumping outside, just sort of like the warped, the bass. My feet were bare on this really soft, fluffy rug. There was red lights in the bathroom and I was washing my hands and all of a sudden, everything changed. The slippery wetness of the soap as I was gliding my hands back and forth almost became like an extension of my pussy. Like my hands became my pussy and this wetness of the soap that I was feeling was like orgasmic, absolutely orgasmic. The way the hot water felt when it dripped down my arms and down my wrists felt like me, like felt like wetness coming down from in between my legs down my thighs. The way that this rug, this soft rug like came up between my toes as I squished around felt like my whole body was being bathed in honey. And when I smelt the soap, this coconut soap, it's like the tropics filled my body and I became a coconut itself and became a palm tree and was lifted into this higher state of bliss. And then when I looked at myself in the mirror, I saw the divinity in me. I looked into my eyes and I saw the goddess that I am. And in that moment, as I looked at myself in such embodied pleasure and bliss, I said, this is why you're here. This is it, Holly. This is the only reason you're here is to feel good, to let the animal of your body want what it wants and to feel good and to create spaces and places that allow others to feel good too. And it was just like, boom, that's it. That's why you're here. You're not here to suffer. You're not here to fall from grace. You're not here to create stories and drama around your life. You're here to feel good and it's that simple. And I looked at the goddess within me and I felt the animal of my body and I felt them as one. I'm like, ah, I'm an animal and a goddess. I am holy and human. I am both. And in this moment, every cell in my body started to vibrate and come to life. And like the sand was being shaken off from my sediment of my soul. Like I just came to life and I took a deep breath and I opened that bathroom door and the rest of the night unfolded from there. I remember being on the dance floor. And when I say dance floor, I mean kitchen, <laughs> uh, the kitchen dance floor. Being in the kitchen and dancing and feeling myself being fucked by the music, like every note was penetrating me and opening me more and more and more. Every cell in my body was becoming wide and receptive to the vibrations. And I lost myself. I lost myself. I lost any sense of worry, any sense of wonder. Like I just became present with the music, present with my body. And I felt the closest to God I had ever felt before in that moment, pure, unadulterated bliss. And then I remember looking at my, my best friend, Heidi, at the time, I remember looking at her and seeing the goddess in her. And every time she laughed, it was like someone 
going up my spine like a piano and playing me. Her laugh tickled me and turned me on. I remember looking at her face and being mesmerized by her beauty and wondering why on earth have I never looked at you this way before? It was a year or so later that she actually became my lover. She became my girlfriend. But it was in that moment I realized I have not allowed myself to love you. I have not allowed myself to see you. And any and all boundaries in that moment, any and all shame, conditioning, fear dissolved. And all of life was there for me to experience as truth in that moment. And I remember thinking, why as human beings do we make this life so difficult? Why can't it just be this? Why can't it just be this? pure presence and bliss, pure embodiment, pure awareness. And then I went and had sex with my boyfriend later and it was the most profound, sensorial, juicy sex I've ever had up until that point. He was rubbing lotion and oil all over my body and my whole entire body became an erogenous zone, like a slip and slide of sensuality. And when he penetrated me, I could feel his soul seeking my soul and merging into divine union. And I could feel every energy center in my body opening and vibrating. And I thought, this is it. I found what I've been looking for. And I didn't even know I was looking for it. And that was my first ever ecstasy pill, ecstasy experience at 19, almost 20 years ago now. And I became obsessed. I became obsessed. I realized that the way that I felt on ecstasy was this state of freedom of no boundaries, just pure play, pure permission, pure expression, pure love, expressing everything that I felt inside and bringing it to the outer world with no shame. And I fell in love with this version of myself. I fell in love with the world that was around me. I fell in love with the people that were around me. But nonetheless, as you know, if you've experienced any kind of mind-altering substance, what goes up must come down and came down I did crashing like a 747 and and then I had lost it I had lost touch with this reality it's like I had gone further away from the bliss from the pleasure from the presence I'd been thrown further away from it with the come down than I had been to begin with right so it's almost like the ecstasy brought me up to like a level 10 and I was maybe at like a four and then I got brought back down to like a zero, right? And so even just coming back to baseline felt like an accomplishment. And, and so it started my decade of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I became a DJ because I was just obsessed and fascinated with creating these moments of freedom and liberation for people and joy and for myself to merge on the dance floor, to lose themselves, to find the God and goddess within and to open up hearts and remember why we're here, to celebrate and to love each other and witness each other in these spaces of celebration. And so I became a DJ. I studied electronic music in London. I traveled to Colombia, to Ibiza, like all over the world. DJing was my life. And so was ecstasy and cocaine and champagne and all the things. I lived a very, very glamorous lifestyle. You know, it was like pretty much every weekend was like 
champagne and limousines and VIP access. And, you know, it's the beautiful thing about being a DJ is like all the doors open for you. Right. And I loved it. My ego loved it. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so important. <laughs> and everybody was feeding me drugs constantly. And so, you know, my life was fueled by drugs. It was fueled by ego. It was fueled by this sense of fame that I felt in my body. It was fueled by extreme highs. Um, and it's what I lived for. It is literally what I lived for. And I became addicted to this sensation. I became addicted to this space. And the moments in between weekends were so numb for me. They were so dissatisfying. They were boring. I was frustrated. I couldn't wait for the weekend to come again. And so I started making my weeks shorter and shorter, you know, like a weekday, a week was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then like uh, weekend was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then before you knew, before you knew it, like my whole life, uh, my whole week was a giant weekend. And, you know, through this search and exploration of ecstasy, I knew deep inside that although my physical human body and, and also my soul were experiencing these states of rapture and these states of bliss, I knew that this was not my dharma. Like I knew that I was feeling the frequency that I wanted to feel, but not in the way that my soul came here to experience it. And so my whole life started falling out of alignment. Like my health declined. I got really, really sick with lots of autoimmune conditions. My partner, who was my DJ partner at the time, uh, him and I fell into a really toxic, abusive relationship. You know, pretty much every part of my life started falling out of alignment and, uh, I knew the day was coming where I would have to leave this scene, where I would have to leave the drugs, where I would have to leave it because my body was literally shutting down. But I feared it so much. I feared it because I said, if I take this out of my life, then where is my joy? If I take this out of my life, then where is my ecstasy? And the thing is, is I became so dependent on these substances in order to feel free and liberated. So the states of sexual exploration and surrender that I was able to enter felt so easy when I was high. And I was exploring everything with everyone, right? It, it felt easy. And I loved who I was when I was high. I was confident. I was powerful. I wasn't afraid to be seen. I walked into a room and took up space. I asked for what I wanted. Right. I was really, really powerful. And so and free as fuck, you know, this woman that I was, this wild woman was so inspiring to me and I loved her. And I formed a whole identity around her, this DJ, this performer, this life of the party, this liberator of energy to all around me. And the thing is, is it felt so true. I felt like I was embodying such a core piece of me, of my truth. And at the same time, I knew that if I kept on trying to pursue my truth in this way, that I would eventually die. And I almost did. I had several near-death experiences with this lifestyle. I had sexual abuse and a sexual assault through this lifestyle, through not being conscious enough and sober enough to hold my boundaries and to protect myself. So this lifestyle was leading me into really dark, dark corners of near-death experiences, sexual trauma, heartbreak, lying, deception, just a lack of integrity and lack of health. And so I came to a moment in my life where I had to choose. I had to choose. 
and the way that I was living, the way that I was finding ecstasy and pleasure and bliss was so unhealthy. And so I had to take a risk. I had to be willing to know and believe that this part of my soul that I had captured on a dance floor, under the influence, this part of my soul that I had captured is my truth. And if it's my truth, I don't need anything to feel it, to embody it, to access it. And I knew that with every part of my being, I knew that to be true. I knew that the woman I was on the dance floor, wild and uninhibited, I knew that the woman I was in sexual experiences, wild and uninhibited and powerful and expressive, I knew that this was my soul. This was my true essence. And so I took a leap of faith. And the day came when I declared sobriety. And not only did I declare sobriety, but I left the nightlife. I stopped DJing. I left my partnership. I left it all. I left it all because I knew it would be impossible for me to become sober and still be in the booth and still be with my partner and still be in the scene where all my friends are drug dealers, label owners, promoters, like impossible, right? I knew I didn't have the strength within me at that time to navigate sobriety and still be in that environment. And so I left it all. And I set on a path of discovery and I set on a path of reinventing myself and bringing myself back to life in a new way. And I'll tell you for, for the first two years of sobriety, of sobriety, I was not happy. You know, I felt better in my body. I was able to wake up at a reasonable hour. I was feeding myself well. I wasn't chain smoking cigarettes. I wasn't feeling hungover when I woke up. Like my body started to feel really good, you know, but my soul felt so far away from me. And drugs and alcohol were the bridge from my human self to my soul. They were the bridge that took me there. And now that bridge had burned and I had no fucking clue how to get there. I knew it existed. I knew it was on the map. I knew how it felt, but I didn't know how to get there. And so for two years, I drove around on my map of searching endlessly to try and find this place, to try and find my soul again, to reclaim my soul. And I did so fucking much you wouldn't believe, like, I did everything. I did, you know, I did Vipassanas. I did white Tantra. I did cleansing. I did ayahuasca. I did, I did everything. <laughs> I did so many things. I opened a yoga studio, like, and I still couldn't find it. And, and not only that, but when I entered into sexual spaces, my trauma body kicked in. My fear of being abandoned kicked into my heart. My fear of being betrayed kicked in. Like all this trauma started to move through my body that I had experienced from, ten, from the past 10 years. And for the first time, I was sober enough to fucking feel it. And I was like, great. So now not only do I not have the joy and the ecstasy and the laughter and the banter, but now I have to deal with my trauma. Like, what the fuck? I, I was just like, there were so many times that that I was just like, I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to go back because I know if I take a pill or blow a line or drink some champagne, it's going to bring me right back to where I want to be. But I knew that wasn't the answer. I knew it wasn't the answer. 
And I'm sure there were times that I did that. I'm sure there were times that I went back to the door that I knew would open and land me back onto the shores of my soul. But I didn't want to get there that way. I didn't want to get there that way. And so I stayed committed. I stayed committed to sobriety. I stayed committing to building community in new ways. I stayed committed to resolving and integrating my trauma, to looking at my sexual abuse face first, head on. I looked at my relational trauma, my heartbreak, all my fears, my insecurities, my body shame. I never felt body shame when I was on ecstasy on a dance floor. <laughs> I felt like the queen of the universe. But now in sobriety, wasn't so easy for me to take up space on a dance floor. Wasn't so easy for me to ask for what I wanted. Wasn't so easy for me to walk across a room with, with command and power. It was I was afraid to be seen. And I was just like, who is this woman? <laughs> who is this vulnerable, scared, anxious, timid woman? And where's the powerful DJ? that could walk into a room and transform it at any moment. And I shamed myself for that. And I felt so lost. I felt so far away from my soul's essence. But again, I knew, I knew that she was in there and all she needed was reclaiming. And so this is ultimately what led me to Tantra because I started noticing Tantra started coming really heavily into my field around this time. Like I started meeting like Tantra teachers and sexual body workers and like pleasureistas and people, you know, just people started like popping out of the woodworks. And what I noticed at the time was every book that I was given, every, every like blog post I was suggested, every podcast that was sent my way that was about Tantra had the word ecstasy in it, you know, like Tantra, a path of ecstatic awakening you know, how to use Tantra to feel ecstasy, you know, ecstasy, ecstasy, ecstasy. And I was like, huh, okay. You know, one eye sort of cross eye sort of side eye with Tantra. I'm like, okay, like you're throwing this word ecstasy around a whole lot, but like, what's this all about? You know? And so, and so it began my, uh, my journey into this ecstatic awakening. And I started going down the path. And at first I utilized Tantra and the embodiment practices mainly to dissolve my trauma and my pain. So the shadow that I had suppressed for so many years by chasing the high that had started to surface in my sobriety, I used Tantra. So breathwork, embodiment, devotion, presence, meditation. I started using all these practices to integrate the trauma that was in my nervous system and my body. And then I started noticing, huh, the more I dive into my shadow and digest and sit with what's there, the more alive I feel. I don't feel numb anymore. Like I'm allowing myself to feel grief. And then what always followed that grief or anger or despair was waves of aliveness. Ah, I feel the sun on my skin. I feel the breeze in my hair. I... I can smell the nature around me like I started to come to life. Now, I didn't start feeling ecstasy yet, but I was like, this is how it felt when I was washing my hands in the bathroom when I was 19 years old. The senses, the aliveness, a world that had always been there, I didn't see it. And that's the beautiful thing about ecstasy is there were there were no psychedelic hallucinations. There were no, there was no like tripping out like, 
I was simply seeing the world around me as it always had been. But for the first time, I was actually receiving it with ecstasy. I was receiving it. It was like I was breathing with the world around me. I would inhale and receive the beauty and the sound and the sensations from the world around me. And then I would hold it and then I would exhale and send it right back. And it felt like I was pulsing and vibrating with the world around me. And when I started studying Tantra, this is how Tantra was described. Tantra is the path of becoming alive. It's the path of being erotically embodied so that your joy and ecstasy are always moving through you. It's about following your sensations as doorways to divinity. It's about being as present as possible so that you can take every moment and it's about getting out of your head and into your body. It's about liberating your nervous system of fear, shame, and trauma so that you can experience what's actually here and not be held back by the past. And I realized as I was reading Tantra and studying the Tantra scriptures and practices, I was like, this is why ecstasy felt so good throughout my 20s. This is why drugs felt so good because they did all these things. They took me out of my head and into my body. They opened my heart. They gave me permission to be sexual and erotic. They embodied me. And I was like, I have found it. I have found it. I knew in, in those moments of my early days of studying Tantra, I'm like, this is the way. And brick by brick, I am going to consciously build a bridge that will hold me mind, body, heart, soul, and spirit that will hold me and bring me back home to my soul, a soul that had been buried and lost under so much pain, so much shame. I'm going to bring her back. And so I did breathwork by breathwork, pleasure session by pleasure session, dance by dance in sobriety. I brought myself step by step down the Royal road, back home to the throne of me. And it's a continual journey. It never ends. The journey of weaving our soul into our body, it is the journey of a lifetime, and I believe it's why we're here. Because the deeper you can anchor your soul into this physical body, the more alive you will feel. And all suffering comes from when we are disembodied. All suffering comes from being disembodied, from being in your head, from telling stories, from projecting, from judging, from not being present to feel the person that's right in front of you. This is what Tantra is. Tantra is becoming intimate with life, to making love with the world around you, to breathing in and breathing out the senses of the jungle to looking deeply into the eyes of your lover and melting with their spirit and not being in your mind. And this is what Tantra is. And this is why it's called the path of ecstatic awakening. At the end of the day, our bodies are a pleasure palace. We have been gifted five senses to delight in this human experience with sound, to hear to hear the laughter, to hear a crying baby, to hear the ocean rush against the shore, to hear the fucking baseline as it moves through your hips. Sight, the sound of a sunset, the, the sight of your lover, the sight of beauty and awe in nature. Sound, sight, smell, taste. This is the human experience. 
And in Tantra, they say that each sense is a doorway to God, a doorway to goddess. So the more you can open your senses and receive this life, the more alive you become. And not only do we have our senses, we have all of our endorphins, oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, like our fucking nervous systems and endocrine systems are wired for bliss, my friends, bliss. Sure, we make a little bit of cortisol here and there, a little bit of adrenaline here and there, which are only meant to be reserved for emergency situations, P.S. But other than that, our body does not make a depressed hormone. When we are depressed, it is simply because we are not embodied. We are not breathing, sounding, moving, touching, sensing with our three-dimensional human bodies. So our body cannot produce these feel-good hormones. So the key to becoming blissful, to becoming ecstatic, to becoming filled with pleasure or VIP, vibrating in pleasure, I call it, is to enter your body, is to enter as deeply as you can into this human experience, to be as present as you can and to be alive as you can. And yes, you will feel the pain. And yes, you will feel the grief. But that's part of being alive. So Tantra isn't about just chasing the ecstasy and bliss like I spent all of my 20s doing. <laughs> it is about falling in love with the tears because the tears crack your heart open and remind you of how powerful love is when it's here. It's about embracing the anger because the anger is your primal. It shows you where you're not being true to yourself. It's about embracing the numbness because that's a key indicator that you're falling out of your aliveness and alignment. So Tantra isn't about the pursuit of bliss, the pursuit of rapture. But on the way to the rapture, the more you can be with your bliss, your anger, your sadness, your grief, the more alive you'll feel when that rapture comes. And so this is how I've arrived here at this point in time on my journey as alive as I've possibly imagined. And I know I am just getting started. But if you see me on the beach here in Nosara, Costa Rica, literally levitating in joy and ecstasy, I am dead sober in those moments. When I am melting with my lover in full body orgasm, I am dead sober in those moments. And I am high on my own supply, high on my being and on the being with others and the world around me. And I'm so grateful to have found this path and so grateful to be sharing this path with you. So, so grateful. So if you can relate to this story at all, reach out to me. I would love to share stories. I would love to share experiences. And P.S., I still do MDMA every now and then. I will still have a glass of really high quality champagne every now and then. It's like once or twice a year, right? But for the for those epic, you know, Burning Man moments. But for the for for the rest of my experience, I am here for it, feet on the ground, feeling as alive as possible, sober. And that it's possible for me, it's possible for you. And I believe this is why Tantra is here for us now, is to reclaim the ecstasy, the intimacy, and the love that we've all been searching for. You're here with a mission to inspire and impact many through your purpose. I'm here to support your mission by sharing the tools, practices, and teachings of Tantra, empowering you to become empowered by pleasure as you light up the world with your love and service. 
serve from overflow. This is the new paradigm way of the embodied feminine leader, and I am honored to teach you how. I'm here to help you gently release any and all things within your being that are out of alignment and no longer true, so you can create space for all your desires to enter your life. No more sacrificing yourself for service. No more putting pleasure, rest, and celebration at the bottom of the pile. It's time to let your feminine essence and primal sensual power become your new fuel source. It's time to come fully alive. Your tantric awakening awaits. Join me for Tantric Awakening, a three or six month mentorship for women to return to the throne of your body and become fully alive. Click the link below and visit hollytoriah.com slash mentorship to begin your Tantric Awakening journey today. Thank you for joining me today on the Shamanic Tantra podcast. To dive deeper on your Tantra journey, visit my website at hollytoraya.com for my online courses, books, private mentorships, and group coaching programs. Please subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with your friends. May you live in truth, beauty, and freedom. Love, Holly Toraya.